This episode of The Ringer NFL Show is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. If you follow the pod, you know we love analysis and information. We don't yell at each other. We don't throw out hot takes. We don't beat the same topics into the ground. That's how CBS Sports HQ does things too. It's a sports network that streams live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're focused on bringing you the latest news, highlights, stats, game previews, game reactions, fantasy advice, and gambling picks. No fake debates, no politics, no made-up drama. It's just sports for sports fans. The best part, you get all of this for free. I don't mean a free trial or part of some special cable package. It's legitimately free for everybody. You don't even need a login. Just open the CBS Sports app and watch anytime, anywhere on your phone, or at home on your Apple TV, Roku, or Fire TV. It could not be easier. So download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. And while we're here, part of a 600-year Polish vodka-making tradition, Belvedere Vodka is all-natural and made with 100% non-GMO Polska rye and pristine water. Belvedere has championed Polska rye vodka and superior natural ingredients since its inception and continues their mission with its new Belvedere Single Estate Rye Series. These award-winning vodkas, Smoggery Forest and Lake Bartizek, are two distinct-tasting vodkas born from unique terroir and expert craftsmanship. It takes craftsmanship to build a championship fantasy football team, and it takes craftsmanship to make Belvedere vodka. Taste the difference and enjoy Belvedere's new single-estate rye vodkas on the rocks or in a delicious cocktail today. Belvedere is a quality choice. Drinking responsibly is too. And lastly, some big news from us. The Ringer now has a Facebook group solely dedicated to the NFL. Check out our Ringer NFL Facebook group. It's a place for real fans to have real discussions about the NFL and everything around it. We're talking fantasy, gambling, power rankings, and tons of questions like what qualities make for the best locker room guy? And is Matthew Stafford actually a Hall of Famer? Plus, each week we'll be answering questions submitted in the Ringer NFL Facebook group on this podcast, so make sure to join the group and get active. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast, presented by the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm joined by the one, the only, the all-time, the hero we need, the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight Hall of Famer, Danny Kelly. What is on your mind, DK? I mean, what else could it be? Uh, the Andrew Luck retirement story is just shaking me to my core. It was uh, a crazy Saturday night news drop, I'll tell you that. So I saw Adam Schefter's tweet. And I immediately put my phone back in my pocket. I was like, damn, Schefter got hacked. That sucks. <laughs> I was like, I just was like, oh, I'm wait. How long will it take for the Colts to refute that? It was truly unbelievable. I mean, I mean, on one hand, I definitely understand kind of where he's coming from, but I just never expected that to happen at all. It was, it was just so out of left field. Um, just a huge, huge, huge story. And, and obviously it has major repercussions for the NFL at large. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like the big thing that happened over the weekend. Yeah, it's wild. There's like this, uh, I mean, a titan among men on the gridiron will not be a member of his team going into the air, and it's going to shake the entire race for the AFC crown because, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde might not make the Chiefs uh, roster. <laughs> oh. See what I did there? Really so, good, really good. Speaking yeah. of Carlos Hyde, Craig Craig is back. I'm back. Almost made the Raiders. Did he, he not check he out didn't on Hard Knocks this week? He almost, uh, he almost did it. You guys missed me on Hard Knocks. I made a great <laughs> catch in the corner of the end zone on a fade. But <laughs> when you left, Andrew Luck still played football. I know. I'm going to leave again, see who retires <laughs> next. Or he'll come back. Who knows what happens? Time's a flat circle. So 
We're also going to get into the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. Another thing that happened, uh, you can go check that out on TheRinger.com. It's really uh, sh- cool. It is really cool. We're going we're gonna to explain a little more about that a little later on, but on TheRinger.com, we enshrined like the most fun and most amazing fantasy football players ever. We got one of those special builds. You should check it out. It's yeah. awesome. But first, we're going to get into some news because some things happened. So how yeah. about that? So let's just, let's just jump into it, DK. Uh, Andrew Luck retired. Wow. Yeah. He said, quote, it's been unceasing in terms of talking about the pain has made playing football unceasing, unrelenting, both in season and off season, taking the joy out of the game. And after 2016, when I played in pain and was unable to regularly practice, I made a vow to myself that I will not go down that path again. Uh, hmm. I think everyone agrees, you know, I, if you don't want to play football and be in constant pain, that works. The least important part of this is the fantasy football part, but it's also weirdly right. the thing we have to talk about first. So, yeah. How does this affect the rest of the Colts offense? Yeah. Immediately. It takes that ceiling, the ceiling of the entire offense and, and it lowers it significantly. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett is now the starting quarterback. We don't really know what his overall potential is. He played in 2017 as a starter there. It did not go super well, but then again, he had to come in and learn a new offense. He was traded to the team like two weeks or a week before the season. And, and so it's kind of hard. And as a whole new coaching staff now, um, so he's had a chance to learn and kind of get integrated into that coaching staff. Frank Reich is um, a really good play caller in the sense that he protects his quarterbacks. The last year we saw that with Andrew Luck, he got the ball out really fast. They went from being one of the worst teams in terms of giving up sacks to one of the best. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty around what Brissett can do in this offense, but I think it obviously just changes the overall ceiling of that offense. Every player, I think, in the offense really gets downgraded just a little bit. Before we get into that, I do want to just make one note on Brissett, which you mentioned, is that Frank Reich was the mastermind behind the Eagles shifting midseason from Carson Wentz to Nick Foles. So right. he has a lot of experience. Like He is one of the most successful play callers and offensive designers of, oh, well, we got to shift to our backup now. And that obviously worked out amazingly. Yeah. And also you mentioned the sack thing. So Brissett took over for luck in 2017. And he was sacked 52 times. And then they changed offenses. So they went from an offense that was giving up the most sacks in the league. And then in one year, Luck was the least sacked in the league. So, I mean, that's a massive change. So there's, it's a totally different environment for him in 2017. But he was terrible. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think you can look at 2017 and say, oh, that's what to expect from Brissett this season. But I do think, I mean, Luck is just he's a a top 10 quarterback. We knew kind of what we were expecting. I think he finished second last year in um, touchdown passes. And and so, uh, you know, he's just one of those kind of guys that you could bank on having a high ceiling in that offense. And now it it just puts everything up in the air. And I think we're seeing the ADP, the average draft position for a lot of the the Colts skill position players drop pretty significantly with the news. Plummeted. They all drop by like 25 to 35 spots. Yeah. Everyone on the offense. And, and I mean, that makes sense. Like, it scares you. You want to be involved. Like, you want your team to be filled with guys on good offenses, right? And so um, it just makes you think twice about someone like Marlon Mack, for instance, who's dropped 21 spots in Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings over the weekend. So, yeah, it, it's just, uh, obviously, it's it's a huge, huge real football story, but it's also a major story for fantasy football, and it changes, I think, the outlook for a lot of these guys. Yeah, so Mac was going around 26th overall. He's slated to be the Colts' main running back. He's went from 26. He's already fallen to around number 47. Um, mm-hmm. How do you see Mac in a, in a luckless offense? 
Yeah, and, and Mac was already sort of a very interesting potential bell cow player. I think there's varying opinions on what his upside was going to be this season, even when Luck was the quarterback. And now that he's not, um, I think that hurts his value. So the the game script, he, he was last year, he was very game script dependent. I saw this from uh, Scott Barrett on Twitter. Um, when the Colts won by 14 plus points, so in other words, when they, when they were blowing teams out, Mac averaged 23.4 points per game, which is fourth best. And all the other games... Fourth best among running backs. Right. And in all the other games, he averaged nine points per game. So in other words, he's very game script dependent. If the Colts are winning, he's going to get more carries. He's going to get more action. Um, and when they were losing, the team tended to turn to other guys, you know, Naheem Hines or whoever in the passing game to try and catch up. And so it it really begs the question, like, what is Mac's role going forward? We've heard whispers and the way that they've used him in the preseason sort of indicates that he could be a three down back. But now we don't really know. And now it just feels like they're much less likely to be blowing teams out this year. It's going to be more close games, more playing from behind. And I think that's exactly why we've seen Max ADP drop so significantly. Yeah, I mean, I think their win total uh, on Vegas, their over-under went from something like nine and a half to closer to like six and a half. So six and a half, yeah. Fewer wins and then not as many blots. The one thing I'll say in defense of Mac is that, I mean, one, he's just talented. I think he could be a three-down back if he was able to stay healthy. But the second one is, very few. The Colts have had a lot of injury problems behind him. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, who's a second-year player, he's been out of practice with a foot injury since like July 30th or so. Spencer Ware, who they signed, I believe, is still on the physically unable to perform list. They signed Deontay Foreman from Houston, and then he tore his bicep. He was waived. That sucks. Yeah. Jonathan Williams broke a rib this preseason. Now they've signed like Sharkandrick West and a, mm-hmm. just a couple, a couple kind of training camp bodies. But they really have just Naheem Hines, who is more of a pass catching back behind him so yeah there is a chance that he could see a lot of volume but like just staying on the field all the time just because they have no one else really behind Hines so do you want to do a quick name game with Marlon Mack I would love to do the name game Marlon Mack or Derrick Henry Mack DK oh man Mack just because the Titans offense looks like garbage right now Marlon Mack or Chris Carson Carson oh Carson easily for me Marlon Mack or David Montgomery I'm going Montgomery even I think I Montgomery, but wow. So full disclosure, I was already a little bit lower than Mac than I think maybe the consensus too, but I like Montgomery a lot. So that puts him kind of, based on where you guys said you liked him, right around the RB20 range, which is currently his ADP on Fantasy Pros. Mm. RB20 feels right. A low-end RB2, middling RB2. I'd be more excited to own Mac than some of the other Colts. Um, So I think the person who falls the most is probably T.Y. Hilton. And this is the biggest yep. one. So he's yep. fallen from, he was going around the mid-20s, like number 24 overall over the weekend after the luck news. He dropped to like 55th overall by Fantasy Pro's consensus 55? rankings. 55? 55? <laughs> Did I say that weird? You said 55. No, 55? <laughs> like with an F? 55th is how people say it. Fifth? Well, I plead the fifth. I plead 55th because that's where T.Y. Hilton is. So uh, went from wow, wide receiver. Dropped, yeah. He went from like the 10th wide receiver to the wide receiver plead the 25th. Um, <laughs> now, you could look at that two ways. You could look at that one as, well, that's too far. Because when in 2017, right. if you just look at when Brissett was starting from week two to week 16, he was actually the 20th best receiver in that span across the whole span. But that's kind of misleading because that's a total, not a per game. And Hilton was so up, one of the more up or down seasons in recent memory, honestly. He had more than half of his receiving yards in three games. 
Mm. which is wild for a 14-game stretch. And it was the only season of his career he had less than 1,000 yards and he had uh, less than five touchdowns since he was like a rookie. But the flip side is what we said earlier, which is that Brissett is going to have a way different offense and a way different experience and that in a way T.Y. Hilton might actually be underrated around the top 30. So do you think, DK, do you think he's going to be as boom or bust in 2017 or are you kind of interested in him around like the mid-50s in that range? Yeah, I think think there's a point where he starts to fall so much and the market overcorrects and you can definitely get value on him. I think this offense is going to be a lot better than what we saw in 2017. I think Brissett is going to be a lot better than what we saw in 2017. I just, I trust Reich to design an offense that will that accentuate his skill set. I think he's got a good skill set, you know. Um, there's a couple of plays. Obviously, it's preseason, so all the caveats apply, but he was making plays where he steps up, avoids pressure, keeps his eyes downfield, navigates the pocket and throws downfield. He was getting the ball out fast. Um, this was last week, I believe, in the preseason game. And so, I don't know. I just think... Um, you know, that's what we've seen of him in this offense. So it is obviously preseason football, but he looked really good. He looked, he looked confident, looked ready to kind of just take over. And he's not Andrew Luck, but they're not going to make him be Andrew Luck. And so I, I do think there is a point there where you can start taking him and feeling okay with it because I, I still think he's a very, Hilton is a very good player. And he's, this offense is going to be so much better than what we saw in 2017. So TY yeah. was the wide receiver, wide receiver 33 in points per game in 2017. Yeah, see, the points per game was so different, but he stayed healthy so that he just, over the course of the year, it, it adds up. That's what, just another reason, like, the season-long totals can be deceiving, to Always say the least. Always look at per game. It's, oh, yeah, it, it's, fantasy's a weekly yeah. game. Brissette so only threw 13 touchdowns in 2017. So, all right, this is an important point, and I want to linger here. Because uh, I had an argument with Riley McAtee, who, DK, is your editor, earlier this mm-hmm. morning, where we were talking about uh, you Brissette's season. It's like, look, he showed up a week before the season started. That's and then so took hard. over by week two. He was like 24. It was his second year league. That is nuts. Imagine just moving across the country, starting a new job, and then you're in charge of 20 people at 24 years old. You have to run an NFL offense, which you've never <laughs> done. Be so you've hard. done two yeah. games, and now you're just starting a season. So how do they manage that? Well, you, they're just going to give you a limited option of what you're going to do, and then they're going to try to limit your turnovers. So he threw 13 touchdowns and seven picks. Guess what? The seven picks is related to the 52 sacks. They are hand in hand. They told him, Mm. hold on to the damn ball rather than put it up for a contested catch. Because guess what? You've been here two weeks. There's only so much hero ball you can play. So those go hand in hand. And I think that now you have, instead of a player who's been there two weeks, he's been there 18 months. Instead of having to learn a bad offense, which is the Rod Chudzinski thing with Chuck Pagano and Chudzinski mm. was the offensive coordinator. He's learning a good offense from Frank Reich, which he had 18 months to learn, and the offensive line healthy. That offensive line in 2017, I believe their left tackle, Anthony Costanzo, was hurt. The center, Ryan Kelly, who's very good, was hurt. And then the rest of the guys are, no offense to Raven Clark, but bad right tackles. Now they have <laughs> Braden Smith, a right tackle. They have Quentin Nelson at left guard. It's like they have a better team. Yeah. The whole line is better. The skill players are better. The coach is better. And he has 18 months instead of two weeks. So I don't think there's any comparison, including the sacks and the picks thing, because he's a big arm. He's kind of like, I, the, funnily enough, I actually do see a comparison between him and Garoppolo in that they're kind of risk takers, who, or at least gunslingers who don't really have that label either of them, but they kind mm. of put in some balls. And I think we might see more of that than people think. I think the reason they kept him around is because he has more gunslinger DNA in common with luck than people think understand because he only threw 13 touchdowns and seven picks but I think that was just he showed up two weeks early his deep ball accuracy in 2017 was actually really pretty good 
Um, he was one of the better deep ball throwers. He didn't throw it deep a lot, but he showed the ability to kind of connect deep. And so I think that's going to be a big part of it. I'm with you. I think, you know, based on everything you said, it's just going to be a more well-oiled machine than what we saw in 2017. You know who I actually kind of like in this offense this year? And he's already he's already been a sleeper. But Devin Funches, I think, is probably going to get a lot of targets because he's sort of the... And I was watching the preseason game, and he's running a lot of these crossing routes over the middle of the field where they do three-step, five-step drops. He hits his back foot, and then he lets, lets the ball go. Um, I think he's going to get a ton of those targets, Funchesses. And so in PPR especially, I think he could be kind of a sneaky value right now. I loved him before the luck injury, and now I don't really know what to make, to be totally honest. Because at least Hilton and Brissett uh, do have a track record of some sort. I have no idea what to make of Funches and uh, also, the other one I wanted to ask you about is Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle, because mm. even before Luck got hurt, the knock with Ebron was obviously 13 touchdowns last year. One of the best touchdown seasons for any tight end ever. I believe it's one of the top five. He had more touchdowns last year than the rest of his career combined, more than his <laughs> entire Detroit tenure. Yeah. Uh, shouts to Lions fans and fact checker shocker. Uh, Doyle, but when the five games they had, this is a great stat from Derek Brown of the Quant Edge. Jack Doyle and the games that Doyle and Ebron played together, there were five of them. Doyle had more snaps, more targets, more red zone targets, and ran more routes in those five games by like a <laughs> lot. So now they're going to be healthy yeah. together, at least as long as they're healthy together. Ebron was already the questionable prospect of whether, well, do you think he's going to get 13 touchdowns? That's unlikely. Also, Doyle was better than him. Now, luck is out. I don't really think I draft either. And then I would just keep my eyes on Jack Doyle in case he completely usurps Ebron. Or if Ebron is just an amazing red zone guy and we're wrong. So switching gears, staying in the AFC South, the other news, well, the news that was the news before Andrew Luck decided to retire. Houston running back Lamar Miller tore his ACL on a preseason game. And MCL. And MCL. So. So he's done for the year. I got fact checked. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he's out for the year. And the Texans were already one of the least deep teams at running back in the entire league before this happened. I mean, they traded yeah. for Duke Johnson. Evan Silva at Roto World is, or sorry, no, it's not Roto World anymore. Established the run, still getting used yeah. to it. That's like when a player changes teams, you can't get used to it. <laughs> uh, right. But he makes a great point that it's kind of an under the radar transaction, but the Duke Johnson trade to the Texans was the most draft capital a team has given up for a running back since the Colts gave a first for Trent Richardson. Wow. So well, it was a conditional third rounder, and it's a fourth rounder for, and then that could become a third. And if he that becomes a third, either way, that's the most the team's paid. And Evan's point, which I, I be, agree with him, is that they're going to give him a lot of snaps. That's right. before Lamar Miller got hurt. So for starters, I think that they think Duke is probably a better runner than Cleveland thought, or at the least they're like, we're going to line this guy up all over the field. He can be on the field at the same time as a primary ball carrier because Duke Johnson is along with Kamara and James White, one of the best pass-catching guys in the league. He can line up in yeah. the slot. Now yeah. he's kind of primed to be the starter, but and the guys behind him are like a who's who of who. It's like Damaria Crockett, who's an undrafted free agent out of Missouri, is like w- the next in line for being a starter. He's 5'11", 225 Maybe. pounds. Maybe. Maybe. They might just sign Carlos Hyde if the Chiefs cut Carlos Hyde. So, <laughs> DK, what do you make of the Texans situation? Do you buy Duke Johnson as not even an every down back, but a, a second and third down back? Where would you take Duke Johnson, and do you see someone emerging elsewhere in this backfield, or them adding more help, or sticking with Duke? I mean, I think it helps Duke Johnson a ton. I think it makes Duke Johnson's value skyrocket, um, and I and I like him potentially more. Like for instance, right now, Kenyon Drake is running back 
29. Tariq Cohen is running back 28. I think I would take him above both of those guys. In that range of 60s and 70s, maybe. So that to me is kind of right now his ADP is uh, running back 35, 87th overall. I think I would take Johnson over Rashad Penny. I would probably take him over... I might take him over Austin Eckler. I just think he's going to get more play. He's going to get more volume. I think Duke Johnson has been penciled in in fantasy players' mind as just kind of strictly this pass catcher. But if like you a look change at, of pace. If you look yeah. at Duke Johnson in college at Miami, he averaged 16 carries a game and only two catches a game. He's a really good runner. He only two People, catches a game yeah. at Miami? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. That's Wow. He, so, he, had, he had 242 uh, yeah. carries in his final and season I, in Miami. I, I think that's the question because I think, I mean, DK... There's this, you, you've talked about this a lot. There's this idea that there's really false positions and that there are some running backs that are really receiving backs. James White is the obvious example. And I've always thought of Duke Johnson as a receiving back, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Texans give up a third round unless they're like, this guy can be on the field for us on first down. I don't like to guess what, I don't like to use logic when it comes to the Texans necessarily. <laughs> well, yeah, that is but... actually an important thing. They don't have a GM. But I do agree with you, like, in theory, that that's a lot to give up for a guy and not make him your feature back, um, especially now that there's been the injury. So um, I think it, it, right now I'm bullish on Duke Johnson, and then I think it's worth taking a flyer, you know, adding a guy like Damaria Crockett, Karan Higdon, whoever you think, <laughs> and no one really knows wh- what it's going to turn out to be, whoever you think is the next man up um, for the backup job. I think the two guys most people think it is is going to be either Kron Higdon or, or Damarant Crockett, but we don't really know at this point. That's yet. the best counter to the draft capital argument is that the Texans front office is a three-man out like rotation of just like Bill O'Brien, Jackie Strabe, and their player personnel guy, and it's who knows what's going on there. I mean, it's like like uh, Bill O'Brien in theory is on a short, you know, he's like on the hot seat. Um, so he's not thinking long term and he's at the GM and like giving up a third round pick or whatever. Like, I don't know necessarily if we can apply logic to that choice. I think he's just like wants <laughs> to be good this year. So I don't know what that means, but I think I, I do think I am bullish on Duke Johnson. One last note on the Texans Kiki QT, their uh, third receiver returned from a sprained ankle this week. And then another player who seems like he will return is Antonio Brown. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lost his helmet appeal, uh, sorry, his helmet grievance, and then apparently has parlayed that into an endorsement deal. Apparently, this whole thing the- was just a scam to get a good endorsement from a helmet company, I think, which it's brilliant. It's genius. Everything just comes down to SpawnCon in our lives now. <laughs> I, dude, uh, Todd Gurley's puppy or kitten was f- fake and like part of the Hulu. Oh my God. Don't believe anything anymore. Todd Gurley's kitten was named like Hulu has live sports, and that was both like really made me feel terrible inside, but I was like, damn, what took so long? That's brilliant. <laughs> We're going to sponsor someone's kitten. Speaking of which, should we take a break to talk about today's sponsors? That's there. Wow. Let's take a quick break. We've all made some bad choices in life, like doing your fantasy draft before Andrew Luck announces his retirement. Don't let missing out on fantasy football be one of them. It's not too late to create or join a league on Yahoo. Football rules. And having a fantasy team makes football season even better. Try a new best ball format where all you do is draft. No waivers, no trades all season long. It's two-minute drill time, so drive down the field and score yourself a fantasy team. You won't regret choosing Yahoo. You will regret missing signups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Fantasy Football. 
And while we're here, for over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home to NFL Sunday Ticket, the only way to get every live game every Sunday. Good news, NFL fans, because DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an apartment or area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. To see if you are eligible, go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Exclusive student discounts are also available. Okay, so more news to get to. There is a roundtable of fantasy news from all the beat writers at The Athletic, and Vincent Bonsignor, who covers the Rams for The Athletic, had so, had a good tidbit on Todd Gurley that isn't necessarily new information, but it's finally reporting out what we've kind of suspected, which is that Gurley's yeah. knee isn't the problem right now as much as the Rams do have a plan to make sure that he stays healthy throughout the year. All right, so yeah, this definitely relates to an article I'm writing right now for uh, theringer.com, great website. Um, it's basically about Todd Gurley's uh, crater of a fantasy football playoffs in 2018 and versus his 2017 fantasy playoffs, which was literally the best of all time. Um, they want to keep him healthy throughout the, the full season. They want his knee and his legs to be fresh all the way into January, you know, December and January. And so um, this is obviously very significant for the Rams as a team and for fantasy football and for fantasy playoffs. Um, so basically, uh, you know, they're probably going to end up managing his touches early in the season. This is something that we've kind of thought was going to happen. But to me, him, Vincent Bonsignor saying all this kind of like reinforces what I'm thinking that they're going to have a pretty strong um, I guess, you know, not committee necessarily, but they're going to give, you know, the number two or three guy a significant amount of playing time, whether that's Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown or John Kelly or whoever. So um, I think to me, this is pretty, you know, this is this is significant news or a significant report. You know, so I think he's kind of giving his opinion, but it's, it is it is what we've thought. Yeah, kind of it's, it's worth reading. It's worth reading what he wrote. So he said, this is quoting um, Vincent Bonsignor. He said, Quote, it's not so much the status of the knee that should be concerning. It's the Rams' plan to manage Gurley's workload that should be a bit worrisome. Gurley has looked healthy, active, and explosive throughout camp. For now, anyway, the knee appears fine. The Rams, though, want to keep it that way and have a plan in place that they hope will ensure he's in optimal form come December and January. That likely includes monitoring and managing his touch and snap count, especially in the first part of the season. Uh, by slowing down his workload, the question becomes how much will that affect his numbers? And then that goes into, I mean, I... I think that this has been the plan all along. I mean, Gurley's trainer um, told CBS's David Richard uh, earlier this this summer. He said, "Everybody," he said, "quote He's now at the five year five mark. Um, all we're doing is managing his arthritis because they knew that it was going to be a thing coming mm. out of Georgia." And then, quoting his trainer, he said, "They're keeping his weight down, working on his strength, working on his agility in short areas. That's going to give him a better chance to be healthy in weeks fourteen through week seventeen when they really count." Um, so I think that Gurley's, it's not going to help fantasy owners a ton when he's healthy in January, but I think that is the plan. This news is like, it, it's very interesting because it almost makes me like Gurley a little bit more. Um, so just to jog your memory, and this is what I wrote about for The Ringer. It's, it's a companion piece to our Fantasy Hall of Fame thing, which again is really, really cool. Um, last year in 2018, uh, through 13 weeks, Gurley... He trailed only Patrick Mahomes in PPR points. He averaged 27.4 points per game up into week 
uh, up through week 13. Over the next three weeks, so that was the fantasy playoffs, his production cratered yet. He scored 5.8 PPR points in week 14, was held out of the lineup in week 16, and he ultimately finished in that three-week stretch 54th among all players in fantasy postseason PPR points. So he was he was a PPR, he was a fantasy playoffs disaster. If he got you there, he did not help you once you got there. Um, this year, I think that that could definitely change. I don't think he's necessarily going to match what he did in 2017, but again, just to jog your memory, his 2017 postseason or fantasy postseason was literally the best of all time. Um, he had having him in your lineup was like having an extra flex player or two sometimes uh, just in your lineup. He had so just to run through it, he scored eight touchdowns in three games. He rushed for 366 yards, five touchdowns, caught 16 passes, 225 yards, and three touchdowns through the air. He totaled 123 PPR points. That's a 41 point average in those three weeks. Um, that's easily the most in the last decade. And it was 35 points more than the second place finisher, which was Le'Veon Bell. Um, so, I mean, like he was significantly, significantly, significantly well above everyone else at the position. Um, he had in weeks 15 and 16. So like your semis and championship rounds, he scored 49, sorry, he scored 45 and then 49 points. <laughs> I mean, he was just like, he literally carried fantasy teams to to wins. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, um, but him being in there and, and having you know his knee be healthy all the way through the postseason, it kind of makes me like him a little bit more. Just like that, that's their plan. So Gurley averaged twenty six point six points per game in twenty eighteen, which was number one amongst running backs. Even if he did seventy five percent of that this year, that would put him at nineteen point nine five points per game, which last year would have made him the running back nine. So he's still he's still an RB one. He's still an RB one, even if he's twenty five percent worse than last year. He's the RB nine. <laughs> so don't let the hate go too far in your draft. Perhaps, yeah. Where are you willing to take him at this point? Everything really does come full circle in fantasy. I feel like you hate somebody and then you wait long enough to, until you like him again, and then you wait too long and then you don't <laughs> like him. It's just like Gurley is now in the range where hey. You know, maybe he is a good value. And then people will overdraft him after hearing this pod because millions of people listen to this podcast. And millions. then we move the needle. We yeah. move the needle. What are you gonna take him at so right now his ADP in PPR is 14. Are you taking him early second round? I no. I'm taking him late second. Okay. I'm taking him right after Nick Chubb and right before right after Nick Chubb before Dalvin Cook, I think. That's where yeah. I find yeah. it acceptable. Well, I mean, obviously, except who cares what I think about your moral standing in fantasy. But I, I, that's where I would start to think about it. And I wouldn't pull trig till later because I just, yeah, well, yeah. This, it's just, I just really like the crop of running backs in the 20s and 30s. I think on Johnson, um, to some extent, Aaron Jones, Mark Ingram, uh, Sony Michelle, I think are all undervalued, actually. I mean, we joked when we were doing our, our top 50 ranking that I would take the, like, the guys in 35 to 50 and swap them with 20 to 35 and like that's a joke but like not really <laughs> so I just find so much value uh, in the running backs later that I kind of just love the receivers in the in the teens but, yeah so if you yeah. can get carry on Johnson and Juju instead of taking Todd I prefer Gurley, Odell and carry on Johnson yeah by a lot than Gurley and Adam Thielen yeah like a lot I can't even overstate that <laughs> um, you heard it here first Todd Gurley might be good still yeah, I mean that's and that's the bottom line is like I throughout the last few weeks, like you said, it has gone for full circle for me. I really, really loved Daryl Henderson like a month ago, 
The third round pick out of Memphis that is, they have compared Alvin Kamara because everyone loves to compare everyone to Alvin Kamara now. Yeah. And I was really down on Gurley for a long time. And I've, I've come kind of full circle on it. Now I feel like pretty good about Gurley and I'm very much less confident about what Henderson's going to do. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you can almost like overthink it, but just based on the idea that they want to keep him fresh all the way through the year, I, I almost feel like that makes me like him a little bit more. Just you know, because I'm so worried that he's just going to fall off a cliff. That's like the main thing. Yeah, I don't want that with my second round pick. But speaking of that, DK, you wrote a companion piece for the Fantasy Hall of Fame uh, package that we did. You wrote a companion piece that's looking at the best fantasy playoff performances from the last ten years, and Gurley was mainstay, the best. But you also looked at a bunch of other fantasy playoff performances that were spectacular. There's a lot of them, obviously. And and I think it's easy to forget. The one guy that kind of just stood out to me was Le'Veon Bell. It's easy to forget how freaking dominant he was as a fantasy player, especially late in the year, um, because he's, he held out all of 2018 and kind of really screwed people over. Now, I mean, obviously, that's not what he was worried about. But in fantasy, it did screw people over. It took him early on. Um, he owns three of the top 10 fantasy postseason scoring like in PPR over the last 10 years, 2016, 2014, and 2017. So he finished fourth in PPR in 2016 in that three-week stretch late in the season, sixth in 2014, and 10th in 2017. So he is he's a late-season monster. And to me, that's one thing that kind of stood out. Um, like I said, it, it, you kind of forget about it because he hasn't been a part of football for the last, you know, whatever months. And so 12 months plus. And so that was one thing that definitely stood out to me. We'll see how it works out in, in New York, but he's been the type of guy, like when the, when the weather gets cold, when it's snowy out and when it's cold and rainy and he's just dominates. Um, the other one that relates to last year, which is just something that I keep like coming back to is Derek Henry's 2018, uh, his fantasy playoffs like explosion was just hilarious. He posted 47 points in week 14, carried the ball 17 times for 238 yards and four touchdowns. The only problem was only 14% of, of teams had him started that, that game. So, um, and very few of them were probably in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that one, that one was another one just kind of, obviously it's really funny and it, it probably is. Um, influencing where t- people are taking him this year, like that finish, I think has definitely sort of inflated his value to the point where I, I just haven't taken him in any drafts. Plus, I just think the Titans offense has not looked good in the preseason. I don't think it's going to be that good. And so, yeah. Yeah, DK, Derek Henry's <laughs> performance at the end of last year is probably the best example I can think of of why season-long fantasy points are often a lie. And also yeah. why he is the new Armory Cooper, the friend zone, which is there's like two or three nights a year where you're like, oh, maybe there's something here. And then that just <laughs> screws you because then you have this idea in your head that that can work long term and it can't. Amari Cooper can work long term, but that's neither no. here nor there. He's a better chance that Henry is not. But the girly thing is, is worth sticking with because girly two years ago was incredible. And I remember there was that screen that he caught. Uh, I think you linked to this in your piece. Uh he just he called that screen. He just zoomed for like seventy five yards, and it's it's mm. wild. Yeah, it was uh, a little bit traumatic for me because that was like when the Rams uh, basically took over the NFC West. <laughs> One of those games, I think it was week fourteen or fifteen. They they just dominated the Seahawks, and I was like, okay, 
the Seahawks' reign in the NFC West is officially over at this point. And so, but yeah, that was a, that was a traumatic moment for me. Well, sorry. On that note. <laughs> oh, by the way, I was going to say this. I was going to say this about Derrick Henry before his fantasy playoffs explosion. He was averaging seven point nine points per game. He scored ninety five fantasy points in the twelve games prior, which would have put him at one forty fourth overall. So just keep that in mind. It's also just a good note to back to T. Y. Hilton. Like you know, yeah. it's the people who had him in twenty seventeen probably didn't play him for two of those three games. We had one hundred seventy yards. So it's tough. That's boomer bust players, man. I th- don't yeah. give me Deshaun Jackson this year. Uh, before we move on to the fantasy Hall of Fame, let's take a quick break. Here's an insider travel secret from Hotel Tonight. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked. Hotel Tonight teams up with awesome hotels to help them sell these rooms and then passes those savings along to you. It's your one-stop shop for booking cool, top-rated hotels at incredible values. Their name is Hotel Tonight, but you can actually book in advance. Perfect for planners and procrastinators alike. This summer, you can score an extra amazing deal with Hotel Tonight's daily drop feature. In most cities, you can use Daily Drop to unlock a special deal at a hotel selected just for you. Once your deal is unlocked, move quickly. You'll only have 15 minutes to book. If you want to swipe again, you can unlock a new deal every day. It's a great way to take an even more spontaneous trip because you never know what you're going to get. From staycations to weekend getaways, great hotel deals are just one swipe away. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the app to unlock your Daily Drop. All right, DK, it's time. Yeah. We've done it. We have enshrined the most iconic fantasy players of all time into the a full-on Hall of Fame. You can check it out on TheRinger.com. We have a special build. It's awesome. It's really cool. It, it's it's in the format of my NFL draft guide, kind of. It's like, it's it's really awesome. You have to check it out. It's fantastic. And yeah, your, your guide was beautiful. Dare I say, this one's even a little prettier. They've got it like is. the main picture, and then they've... And then they've got the picture of like the guy like looking off into the distance, like he's fading away. It's beautiful. Um, but we're going to run through some names. I mean, so we've inducted a, cl- uh, a whole new class. I mean, there's a lot of obvious names in here, like Peyton Manning and Ladanian Tomlinson and Emmett Smith <laughs> and all the jazz. Um, there's also some less obvious names in here, but you can check it out. It's really fun. Um, but we're just going to run through just a couple notes that were really fun to stand out. Um, obviously, the best fantasy season of all time is Ladanian Tomlinson 2006. Uh, 417 fantasy points. One thing I just wanted to note, which kind of blows my mind, 33 touchdowns, 28 rushing, three receiving, two passing. He led the league in rushing yards. And if you took away all of his yardage, so league leading 1,860 rushing yards, takeaways 508 <laughs> receiving yards, didn't gain any yards. His 33 touchdowns would have been the 10th best running back. Oh my God. <laughs> in 2006. Fun fact, that was the first year I ever played fantasy football. I was 12, and I remember playing against LaDainian Tomlinson. And it felt like every game he would throw a touchdown, run a touchdown, and catch a touchdown. And I was like, what? Is this normal? <laughs> and then no one ever did it again. And I was like, I guess that wasn't normal. There has been no running. Like, there are trick plays. Like, there was Antoine Randall L, but there's no running backs that actually have really do that before or since. Perhaps Josh Jacobs now. Former quarterback in high school. Yeah, see, that's a stat. That's a little tidbit you always get about receivers. But why? No running backs are ever quarterbacks in high school. Well, they're all quarterbacks in high school. Everyone can do everything in high school. Is in the NFL, except me. I didn't make the Raiders, but <laughs> well, oh shit. <laughs> uh, DK, you're both speaking yeah. of the Seahawks. Your beloved, beloved Sean Alexander. I thought it was interesting going through this exercise. Uh, my memory of that time is pretty foggy, but. Um, obviously, that 2005 season where he scored 28 touchdowns, that was the NFL record at the time. Obviously, the Damian Tomlinson broke it 
as we talked about just now with 33 the next year. But Alexander was, I think, in that stretch from 2001 to 2005, you can even tack on 2006. In that stretch, he was, I think, second only to Tomlinson as like one of the most dominant backs in the NFL. I kind of just forget that. I think you think about 2005 when he was so good and he's running behind the Seahawks elite offensive line. Um, but you forget that he did it for like five years straight. I mean, from 2001 to 2005, before Tomlinson broke his record in 2006, um, Alexander had 87 touchdowns, 1300 or 7,500 yards rushing, 1300 yards through the air, plus 11 touchdowns. I mean, he was basically second only to Tomlinson as the most dominant back. I mean, it, and I kind of just forgot that. Um, it is kind of a long time ago now, which it, it, my memory starts to get a little bit foggier with each passing year, but. Um, it was fun to go back and look at Alexander's just elite stats in that that five-year stretch for him. Yeah, he was kind of that middle domino between Priest Holmes broke the rushing record and then Sean Alexander broke it a couple years later and then Tomlinson shattered it the next year and it was like everyone was falling. The way we talk about passing going up every year, it was kind of yeah. like how running backs that was, were for it, the mid-aughts. Exactly, and I, was, I feel like that's probably going to be the apex of just the run game in the NFL forever. Right, because I think it's just at this point, no one's gonna run as much as those guys did. Back I think then. I think everything comes back. I think that though individual records will probably stand. I think the team records. I'm I'm never gonna count anything out for a team wide thing. Sean Alexander um, only played eight years in the NFL, which is very different than our next inductee. This is very true. Uh, Jerry Rice, who. <laughs> Word on the street, really good at football. Um, basically, the <laughs> long story short, I know everyone was not playing fantasy football in the 90s, but... Some people were. Bill Simmons was. Bill Simmons was. <laughs> um, so, Rice was just as good at fantasy football, possibly better. Um, the season that blew my mind was 1987. Uh, 22 touchdowns in 12 games. That obviously got broken by Randy Moss Jeez. in 2007, who needed Jeez. 16 games to get 23. Sad. Uh, Rice had 250 fantasy points in 1987 in 12 games. And the only people who've had more than that since are Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, even though they have four more games each year. So Jerry Rice, legend. And just because I want to cap this off, first 10 years of Jerry Rice's career, his rookie year is the 22nd receiver. After that, his finishes among wide receivers each year. First, first, second, first, 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 second, first, 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 fourth. He did not Jesus. drop out of the top two until he was 34, and then yeah. he fell to fourth. And then if you think it's just Bill Walsh and Joe Montana and Steve Young and the 49ers offense, when he went to the Raiders at 39 years old, he was the 12th best fantasy receiver in the season. And then at 40 years old, he was the, or sorry, he's the 11th best at 39, and then he was the 12th best at 40. So, wow. And when you said 250 fantasy points, I'm assuming that's standard. Yes, exactly. Because that's a, So the whole Hall of Fame, in my opinion— PPR, which now seems overwhelming, has just taken over in the last three years. But for the vast as majority, should. as it, it was should, yeah, a, a weird eccentric thing. So, so to put that in reference of last year, Tyreek Hill led the season with fifteen point one points per game, and Jerry Rice would have done twenty, casual twenty, a casual twenty a game, five points more than number two. <laughs> it's totally wow. fine. Wow, but there's one more player I want to talk about before we move on from this segment, and it's it's an appreciation for Rob Gronkowski. That guy was, I don't think people have forgotten it, clearly, but that guy was amazing. He was incredible. The other 29-year-old um, to retire this offseason. Yeah, so he, obviously, he struggled with injuries. Um, I just thought this was amazing, but even though he missed 29 games in his career, he caught more touchdowns than any other player in his time in the league. He was a touchdown 
freak. Uh, I saw this stat I got from Scott Barrett too. Pro Football Focus is expected touchdown metric, which it tracks play-by-play data. So it's taking where everyone is standing on the field, where they're getting their target, the amount of air yards, blah, 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 like all the different stats that matter in terms of where you are. And then they spit out a number of touchdowns that a perfectly average player would have scored given those opportunities, those targets and air yards and where you are on the field, all that. According to that stat, Gronk scored 24.1 touchdowns over expectation during his career. That is the most among all players in the decade. He was just a freaking beast. He was so good. Did not have the longevity, but the peak was probably the best for any tight end of all time. That's one of the best of any pass catcher. Yeah, I think he was the most dominant tight end ever in terms of what he could do on the field, both both blocking and you know just his red zone, his touch, his, his ability to body up anybody on the field. I think he was the most dominant tight end of all time. Yeah, the uh, he's even when he's covered, he's open is one of the most frustrating things because it's overused. Right. But it's more true for Gronk than probably anyone else in NFL history. Okay, and last up, we want to cover just some fantasy football one hit wonders. These were compiled by your editor Riley <laughs> McAtee. Uh, shouts to Riley. Uh, a lot of this was his brainchild. This was his baby. Yeah, really, really cool project. First up, the obvious one, Peyton Hillis of the Browns, 2010. God, that, can you remember that season? That was so much fun. He was, <laughs> was on the cover. Dream. He was on the cover of Madden. Well, so that, was Peyton the year, Hillis. that was the year that Madden yeah. opened it up to fan voting, and they. It's kind of like when that the Brit, like England, was like, oh, we're gonna let like everyone vote on like the name for this research vessel, and then Bodie McBoatface won. <laughs> it was like that was before even that happened when yeah. it, it wasn't obvious that the internet would ruin democracy in all forms. <laughs> and ruin. It was like Peyton Hillis on the cover of Madden, and I remember I, that I, he I, was like coaching yeah. a youth football team like two years later in mid-August, and the Giants were like, hey, you want to come? <laughs> like he was out of football two years later. Oh, so man. wow, how about that? That was a lot of fun. He had sixteen. So 1,654 scrimmage yards, 13 touchdowns, rumbling and tumbling, jumping over guys. That was just a lot of fun to watch that season. I remember that. (laughs) He had six (laughs) touchdowns over the rest of his career. Yeesh. Yeesh. Amazing stuff. Um, Sticking with the Browns, the other one-hit wonder, actually one of the most one-hit wonder people of all time, Josh Gordon, uh, where he just decided to be Randy Moss. For 2013, 1,646 (laughs) receiving yards, nine touchdowns, still the only back-to-back 200-yard receiving games in NFL history, Uh, the biggest and fastest and strongest person on the field. Perhaps not a one-hit wonder this year. We never know. Hopefully not. He has a chance to erase that label. Hopefully not, indeed. Uh, The other one, this one ended up being one-hit wonder, Justin Forsett on the Ravens in 2014, nine-year career. But in 2014, 1,529 yards and eight touchdowns. He, what he was happened? a fun How one. did that happen? Yeah. He came out of nowhere, man. I think he was, uh, if I remember correctly, he was like a sixth-round pick at a Cal. He was Marshawn Lynch's roommate at Cal. And uh, I remember this because he was a Seahawk very briefly, and I believe they Seventh cut him. Seventh-rounder, yeah. Yeah, and he bounced around. He played for the Seahawks for a while. He played for the Ravens. Uh, really fun runner. He's just like a really explosive, you know, jittery runner. Um, yeah, I don't think he was like necessarily built to be a bell cow type back every year, but he got an opportunity in 2014 and took advantage of it. I, I was a huge Forsett fan. I just always thought he was really fun to watch. Never ran for more than 700 yards in any other season. Yeah. Running back. Got the right opportunity. Speaking of running backs, weird, right opportunity. Steve Slayton in 2008. 
One of the <laughs> deepest of cuts. 1,659 yards, 10 touchdowns at his rookie season. Wow. And the Arian Foster explosion before Arian Foster was even Arian Foster. And it was that wide zone system in, in Houston, I think. And like they just found guys that could that could really run in it. Steve Slayton was one of them. Foster was better though. Was obviously. out of the out of the league within four years. But that year, as a rookie, he was one of the top five fantasy running backs. Or sorry, sixth among all running backs. So wow. what the hell? We hold one, one hit wonders near and dear to our heart though in fantasy. We love them. That's what we live for. You know who's gonna be who's gonna be the Steve Slayton, the rookie running back this year? I mean, Darwin Thompson is the best. One possible. year I think, and then he's gone. I think Damian Williams having like uh, an extended hamstring absence, and then Darwin Thompson being like a top five guy, but then he's a six round pick, and the Chiefs just find another running back next year. That's the if I had to put money on someone being like top ten, and then we'd never hear from them again. It's Darwin Thompson. Maybe we should close this episode with our favorite one hit wonder songs, Lou Bega, Mambo Number no. Five. Just a classic. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, man. Panda by Designer. Wow. I don't, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> on brand. DK, you must have a one-hit wonder. Is this like on brand, meaning like I'm old, or are you, are you trying to call me like a millennial? Because you, you sort of like go between the two. It's whatever fits the conversation. Even though I'm yeah, way it's older whatever than makes you. me sound right in the moment or better. <laughs> Which is so Gen Z of you. <laughs> Okay, this is probably gonna this is gonna confirm Danny in saying that I'm old, but I'm gonna say the safety dance by Men Without Hats. Is it Men Without Hats? You got it. Sing it. Sing it. I know you know this. You know it. We can dance <laughs> if can we dance. want to. We can leave all <laughs> friends behind. TK? Oh man. DH? But we're gonna leave all one. of you behind right there. <laughs> so uh thank you for listening. Thank you for bearing with us through uh, men without hats, men with hats, who knows? But uh, <laughs> we'll be back later this week. Hotel Tonight shows you incredible deals at cool hotels you'll actually want to stay at. Score an extra amazing deal with Hotel Tonight's daily drop feature. Unlock a special deal at a hotel selected just for you and snag it within 15 minutes. If you want to swipe again, you can unlock a new deal every day. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the app to unlock your daily drop.